my wife and I were celebrating our 50th wedding anniversary up in Alaska. <clears throat> Hallelujah. I didn't want to go, but she made me, okay? But it was actually wonderful. We were there for about a week from Sunday to Sunday, right? We come home, left one Sunday morning and came back uh, late on another Sunday night. So it was wonderful. It's a nice place to visit. Don't want to live there. Too many bears, lions, and tigers. Oh, my. So, but it was a wonderful, wonderful trip. Then, unfortunately, when I got home, I got sick. And uh, don't know what I had, possibly COVID or whatever. I told her I didn't want to go on that ship, but she made me go. But um, nonetheless, uh, you know, the, the thing that I've learned, regardless of what we face as Christians, the promise of Almighty God is that he will deliver us out of them all. Out of them all. <clears throat> and so we hold on to the promises of Almighty God. This past week was an exciting week with VBS, absolutely incredible. And um, so many kids at the place, it's amazing, it's still standing. But the, the way these people uh, and the volunteers, and everyone that was involved, I applaud you, God bless you. Thank you so much for making this year's VBS so wonderful, so wonderful. I, I was raised in vacation Bible school when I was a kid. And I tell you, it was never anything like this. Just absolutely incredible. And so, again, I thank each and every one of you that made Vacation Bible School possible. God bless you. We love you so much. Also, we have, I think, as I mentioned at the first of the service, but somewhere between 30 and 40 people being baptized uh, this morning. And that is absolutely incredible. I mean, and it just continues to grow. You know, you'd think that perhaps you run out of people to baptize, but now again, 30 to 40 people being baptized today, just absolutely wonderful. Probably another 100 people uh, that are watching back in the uh, youth center, watching their family and friends being baptized for the glory of Almighty God. It's absolutely wonderful. Were you blessed by Dan Mahler? Wasn't that powerful? Just absolutely incredible. I got a chance to meet with him and talk with him uh, just very, very briefly. But what a precious, precious brother in Christ. And uh, his delivery is just so powerful. And his expectation of the glory of God, the healing power of God. We heard testimony after testimony after testimony of healings that had taken place during these services. And so we just thank the Lord for his goodness, for allowing us to experience the things that he has allowed us to experience. Well, we were to go actually for my wife's birthday to Lancaster, leaving today. And that was, it was actually a, a month of celebration. And um, so with 50 years under our belt, I don't know how she ever tolerated me for that long. And you can say amen, okay? <laughs> and uh, I just love her dearly, dearly, dearly. And so I would marry her all over again if I had the opportunities. But uh, that won't be necessary. Hallelujah. But we were to go to Lancaster for her birthday, but that kind of got uh, done away with. And, and, uh, but we're happy to be here today 
to celebrate the Lord Jesus Christ with you, with each and every one of you. And we love you, church, so much. And we are so blessed to have with us today Kevin Barner, who is in Thailand, our missionary in Thailand, Bangkok, right? And Kevin is no stranger to us here at Word of Life Ministries, and we are so blessed to have Kevin and Sandy with us here today. But before Kevin comes up to minister, I'm going to ask you to stand with me if you would. We have our Word of Life confession. I want you to make your proclamation known and declare the Lordship of Jesus Christ out over your life. All right, here we go. Jesus, be glorified in my life. Holy Spirit, I welcome your presence. My heart is open to receive the ever-living, never-changing Word of God. The Word that is changing my life, healing my body, setting me free. My faith is growing and I am living in the favor of my God. I declare it, I believe it, and I receive it by faith. For I am blessed again. One more, I am blessed in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Hallelujah. Let's give him a praise. He's worthy of church. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Let's give God praise for our dear brother, Kevin Barner. Thank you, Tom. <laughs> I love you. Oh, I appreciate you so much. What a joy it is to be back with you here in our favorite country on the planet. Uh, we are thrilled that uh, we could come and share together. And uh, just to, again, say thank you again, Pastor Tom, for your trust to allow me to actually stand here uh, before your congregation. That means so much to myself and Sandy that you would honor us in this way. And I want you to know, on behalf of Sandy and myself, we love your pastors here at Word of Life Church with all of our heart. And we are blessed. I think, Pastor Tom, God gave you and I kindred spirits. I really sense that and feel that and love every moment that I can be with you and share our time of fellowship together. So uh, we are home for four and a half months, Sandy and I. Uh, it's not a vacation. Uh, we actually are be, will be preaching and te ministering in 21 different churches in four different states with some long trips ahead of us. Uh, we'll be traveling uh, close by to Ohio, but uh, we'll be in Arizona and uh, another long trip, the Poconos. So we'll be ministering and basically giving updates to all of the churches that partner with us. And by the way, Word of Life Church, you need to know this, that we could not do in any way, shape, or form what we've been able to do in these past 22 years living overseas outside of the partnership and your support, number one, your prayer partnership, that, you, that we know that you're praying for us. And then also you invest in the work that we are doing right now in five different countries where we represent uh, some amount of 204 missionaries in those five countries that we are responsible for. If you want to know anything that's scary, it's scary to think that we are responsible for 204 missionaries in five countries. We are their pastor. So we covet your prayers. And uh, today I'd like to actually bring our attention to uh, a specific aspect of God's Word. Basically, we know it as the Lord's Prayer. It really can be referred to as the Disciples' Prayer. 
Uh, mind you, next week, uh, Pastor Tom also asked if I would share the word uh, with you next Sunday. We've learned that next Sunday is your special Celebrate Family Sunday. So I've prepared a special message for next Sunday entitled The Biblical Essentials for the Family. And so I'll be sharing that next Sunday with you in a way that I pray will bless, encourage, and strengthen you. If you would, please open your Bibles today. And by the way, next Sunday, our prayer is maybe Sandy and I can bring a 10-minute window uh, missions update to you to share what's going on in our lives uh, in Bangkok, Thailand, where we currently live. Our opening text today I'd like to use to launch into this uh, teaching and time of sharing is taken from Psalm 27 and verses 7 and 8. These two verses just several months ago, leapt out at me in my personal devotional time. And when my eyes were fixed upon these two verses, I kept reading, reading them over and over again. And in that moment, in that instant, I just sensed the overwhelming presence of God, that this was something that brought such joy to the heart of God in the moment that I was reading them. And this is from the New Living Translation. Psalm 27, verses 7 and 8. Hear me as I pray, O Lord. Be merciful and answer me. My heart has heard you say, come and talk with me. And my heart responds, Lord, I'm coming. And I wondered often in our ministry, Sandy and I will be celebrating by the end of this year, uh, 44 years of full-time ministry together. And uh, being in the body of Christ, as you well know, Pastor Tom, you see a lot of things that happen in the body of Christ. And I, I want to express today the importance of the most important thing that you and I could do is walk in our, our intimate personal relationship with Jesus Christ. Don't let the Sunday morning sermon be your primary uh, time of receiving from the Word of God. Let the time that you intimately spend in His presence be that time where you and Jesus alone are in a time of intimacy and you experience His presence and you experience His power. But often over these years, I've noticed that people often don't know really how to pray. They struggle, they struggle with Basically moving past, dear Lord Jesus, thank you for this day, and what else do I say now? But there is a real way that we can enter God's presence in prayer. I have several quotes for you I'd like to share before I actually dive into the Word of God for the teaching I've prepared today. Mark Batterson, great pastor, author, he pastors National Community Church in Washington, D.C., he wrote, the greatest tragedy in life is the prayers that go unanswered simply because they go unasked. Think about that. A.W. Tozier, he writes, complacency is a deadly foe of all to spiritual growth. Acute desire must be present or there will be no manifestation of Christ to his people. He waits to be wanted. Another quote from A.W. Tozier. He writes, I am ashamed of my lack of desire. Oh God, the triune God, I want to want thee. 
I long to be filled with longing. I thirst to be made thirsty still. Show me thy glory, I pray thee, so that I may know thee indeed. And I believe that part of the reason behind why people don't enter into a daily time with God personally and privately often has to do with apathy or complacency or lack of desire. And if you are lacking in desire today in this a time well spent with God, investing over a lifetime, day by day in your relationship with him, you are going to be missing out on the greatest part of your life, and that is the adventure that God has for you as you dwell in his presence. I was blessed as you were as we sang some of the amazing songs today with lyrics that basically identify parts of my message today, and I'll highlight them for you in this time of sharing. But often, looking at the body of Christ, I see that some people are in a period of what I would call spiritual drift. Have you ever heard of the term spiritual drift? What does it mean and, and I want to identify that for you today. What actually happens during a time when someone is in a season or a time of spiritual drift? And we are told in God's word to guard our hearts against this. We see this and you can find it in the book of Hebrews chapter 2 and verse 1. We must pay more careful attention, therefore, to what we have heard so that we do not drift away, drift away from the truth. So this idea, the writer of Hebrews emphasizes for us, one way to avoid drift is to be intentional about giving more careful attention to what we have heard. What have we heard? We've heard the good news that Jesus Christ is the Savior of the world, and he's delivered us from sin. He's given us a new life. We need to be reminded of this day by day by day so that we do not fall into the trap of the enemy and drift can I hear an amen today? Amen. Drifting is, uh, in this idea of drifting away from God, is something that happens very slowly. In many ways, it's an unconscious process that people experience. It's often maybe even unrecognizable, and people may even seem to feel that it might be too late to even do, do something about it, because they maybe when they wake up, they feel that they've drifted so far. But I, I just want to give you some characteristics about what drift looks like in our spiritual lives. And as I share these several things, it may identify you today who might feel like you're in a time of spiritual drift. What is it? Spiritual drift. Here's some descriptions of it. Your relationship with God seems to have faded your prayers and your devotions become shallow, maybe even non-existent. You feel weary or empty, like your tank is running dry, like something's missing. But on the other hand, you feel at times full of anxiety or sadness that seems overwhelming to you. Another description, you Put in the time, so to speak, but perhaps out of a sense of duty, and it simply feels like 
you're going through the motions. If any of those aspects that I shared in this moment seem to ring home in your heart today, I want you to know that the message that I'm about to share with you from God's Word is going to, going to give you hope and an anchor to help, uh, uh, if I can use a word, spice up your devotional time. Can I hear an amen today? And listen, when we together decide individually and privately and intimately that we are going to go after God and that he's going to be the, the highest priority in our life and, and our pursuit for God is going to be given the highest priority, guess what's going to happen when we come together corporately to the house of God and we come to worship him when everyone has been walking in the spirit and expecting God to do great things in our midst. Amen. That's what God wants. I can tell you that's what your pastor wants. I can assure you of that. And so let's look uh, in a moment here at what we refer to as the Lord's Prayer. Uh, one of the greatest books I've ever read in my life is by the author known as Peter Scazzaro. Uh, and and uh, from his book, Emotionally Healthy Discipleship. And, and uh, here's what he says defines an emotionally healthy disciple. He says, an emotionally healthy disciple slows down to be with Jesus, goes beneath the surface of their life to be deeply transformed by Jesus, and offers their life as a gift to the world for Jesus. That is the description of an emotionally healthy disciple. And I just want to encourage you today, don't be content to come to faith in Christ and take the first step and that be the only step that you take. There are many more steps that God wants you to take in your relationship with him on your spiritual journey that will enhance your relationship with him and deepen your roots in him and enable you to know him in deeper measures of grace and love. Can I hear an amen today? He wants that for all of us. And that's what his plan and purpose is for us. Now, let's dive into the disciples' prayer. We find this in Matthew's Gospel, chapter 6, verses 9 through 13. You can follow along with me. I have the uh, passages for today all uh, for projection for you. This is from the New King James Version. And, and just to mention today, uh, this Lord's Prayer is recited very often uh, in churches around the world. How many of you have ever recited the Lord's Prayer? Right? And one of the, if I can say this, one of the cautions I would give you today is don't allow yourself to say the Lord's Prayer in a manner being rote. What does that mean, Kevin? It means this. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. That's rote. We all know it from memory. And we're going to dive in today and see that this Lord's Prayer was more a model that Jesus gave us to follow along. And within the Lord's Prayer, I'm going to give you seven different aspects that you can follow along with and will help you to spice up, if I can say that, dear friend, your personal devotional time. Let me go back to Luke chapter 11. Sorry, fellas, back there. Luke chapter 11 and verse 1. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. 
When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. And of course, Jesus gives us the model, and I'm moving over then to Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Are you ready? Let's move right into the first point I have to share with you of the seven that we will walk through together. When we open the Lord's Prayer and we see this model prayer that Jesus, I believe, intended for us to follow, number one, we connect with God relationally. We connect with God relationally. God is not interested as much in our practice of religion as he is in our relationship with him. Often I ask our missionaries and I ask friends and I ask colleagues uh, a question that I think catches them off guard. Often we hear the, the statement, hi, what do you do? My question now has evolved to not what do you do is who are you becoming? Who are you becoming? So when we enter into this model prayer, the disciples' prayer, the Lord's prayer, we open with connecting with God relationally, our Father in heaven. In my earlier years, uh, being part of a, a dysfunctional family and a broken home, uh, I had a very negative image in my early years of what an, an earthly father should be. And I think that has left some scars in my life in some ways, notwithstanding that the Lord hasn't helped me and walked with me through those difficult times. But God finally broke through in my life at around the age of 18 and helped me understand that he is the model of the father that I need to emulate. Can I hear an amen? Our father in heaven. In Romans chapter 8 and verse 15, Paul writes, You have not received a spirit that makes you fearful slaves. Instead, you received God's spirit when he adopted you into his, as his own children. Now we call him Abba, Father. You've heard it many times, I'm sure, said before. This word Abba is from the Aramaic word, and it's translated into the English language as Daddy. Daddy. I don't know of a much more intimate expression to address our Heavenly Father as this word, Abba, or Daddy. And so when we come into the presence of God, and when we begin our time of devotion and prayer, and we set that time aside for Him, we can come into this relational connection with Him. And that's the time when we proclaim our intimate fellowship with Him, and we address Him as our loving Heavenly Father. 
By the way, in each of these seven points, I want to give you kind of what I would call a model prayer that you could pray during that time. Here's a first prayer you could pray. Father, I come to you in prayer today, thankful that I am your child. I know I am a sinner, but you have forgiven me and adopted me as your own. And I'm so grateful, Lord, that I can call you Father. Thank you for loving me. Father, I love you. And that's how we begin our prayer. That's how we begin our time intimately with him. And then we move on to the next part of this Lord's Prayer, moving from connecting with God relationally to worshiping him. That's the second point. Worship his name. In Matthew 6, verse 9, it says, Hallowed be your name. This is a time when you and I can spend, not in a hurried fashion, but in a time just being in his presence to adore and to exalt and to magnify and to lift up his mighty name. Do you know God loves to be worshiped? Do you know he created you for his pleasure? Let me just kind of give you a wake-up call today. He didn't create you for your pleasure. He didn't create you for your pleasure. He created you for his pleasure. I hope you heard that today. And that's the vital aspect of this time when we hallow his name, when we worship him. Throughout the Old Testament, there are a number of uh, Hebrew names ascribed to God that, uh, that, that, that describe certain aspects of his character. And when we come to this portion of time in the Lord's Prayer, we can actually begin to worship him and call out and identify him with these names. He is Jehovah Sidkenu, the Lord our righteousness. He makes us clean. Amen. He is Jehovah Makedish, our sanctifier. He calls us and he sets us apart. He is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord our healer. He heals all of our diseases. He is Jehovah Nisi, our banner of victory. You may have heard it as he is the Lord, our defender. He defeated all of our enemies. He is Jehovah Rohi, the Lord, our shepherd. He speaks to us and he leads us. He is Jehovah Shalom, which is, which is the Lord, our peace. And he is our peace in every storm that we face. He is Jehovah Jireh, the Lord, our provider. And he supplies all of our needs. When we come to this part of the Lord's prayer, hallowed be your name, we can take into account these different aspects of the character and nature of God. And we can spend time with him in that personal and intimate time before him in his presence. And we can ascribe to him glory in all of these various aspects of his life. Proverbs 18 and verse 10 says this, the name of the Lord is a strong tower. The righteous man runs into it and is safe. And I just think of that when I'm in my personal and intimate time with Jesus, that I actually come into a place of safety and comfort, peace, a time of calm. It's usually, I think this was, this was also descriptive of Jesus, 
when it says in, in, in the Gospels that he rose up early to go and find a place to pray. I, I have to tell you, my time, and it's not the same for everyone, the time that best suits you may not be the time that best suits me, but what you need to do is find your best time to be with him, right? And set that time aside. Make an appointment. Put it on your to-do list. Number one, spend time with Jesus. And for me, it's in the early morning hours. Early morning, often when I awaken, it's dark. And uh, we flew, just a few weeks ago, we flew north in Thailand to Chiang Mai. And it's about an hour and 15-minute flight. We spent uh, three days there to spend with our team there. We have uh, six, eight of our missionaries there. So we're on site with them. We're with them. We're encouraging them. We're loving them. We're pastoring them. And... uh, While we're with them, you know, of course, continue with my plan of devotions. And and this one married couple hosted us. They're about our our age, young. And they hosted us. So we're, uh, you know, they're staying. And I go into my little corner and I said to the wife of the couple, I said, in the morning, this is my time of solitude. I do not talk. I have Complete peace and quiet in God's presence. Because once that time is over, you'll never see it again in your day. Never. So it was funny because I finished my private devotions and I came out of the corner of the living room where I was and I walked and I kind of crossed paths with her coming out of the kitchen. Her name is Connie. She, she, she came up to me and she said, Kevin, is it okay to talk now? I said, yes, Connie, you can talk now. <laughs> but I guard that time. That time is so precious to me. And I, I don't want any interference uh, in my personal time that I have set aside just for him. Amen? Here's a prayer that you might echo during that time for hallowed be your name. God, I am in awe of you. Your name is a strong tower. It is a place of protection for me, a place of safety for me. I praise you because you're my healer. I worship and exalt you because you're my shepherd. You lead and you guide me. You're my banner of victory, Lord, and I give you the glory. You are my peace. I can't find peace anywhere else, but in you I have peace. You are my peace. Your name is great, oh God, and I worship you. That's a time within this model of the Lord's Prayer that you can spend hallowing the name of God. Point number three. First, we connect with God relationally on this spiritual journey through the Lord's Prayer. Second, we worship his name. Third, we pray his agenda first. Pray his agenda first. Matthew 6.10 says this, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Can I give you a wake up call today? In fact, I think that was one of the lyrics of the song, one of the songs today, wake, wake up your church. Let me give you kind of a wake up call today. Part of being a child of God is caring about what God cares about and loving who God loves. You've heard the little poem that goes like this. To love the world for me is no chore. My only problem is my neighbor next door. (laughs) 
You see, this idea of praying his agenda first, it's a wake-up call for us to understand that we need to love what God loves and care about what God cares about. And what do you think is the number one thing that God cares about? What do you think it is? Lost people. That's the number one thing that God cares about. He does not want any to perish, but all to come to repentance. Many will not. Some will. But he loves them all. He wants to invite us to care about what he cares about. The reason in 2002 that Sandy and I sold our home in Elizabeth Township and sold everything that we had and we moved to Moscow, Russia, the reason we did that was because we knew that he had called us to be a part of doing something about which he cares about and that is lost people. Now, you don't have to go across the sea to do that. You can go across the street and do that. Can I hear an amen? Amen. amen. I love uh, Luke chapter 12, verse 31. This is from the Living Bible. I love the wording of this. Now we're talking about praying his agenda first. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Luke 12, 31. He will always give you all you need from day to day if you will make the kingdom of God your primary concern. Can I say this today to you? If you will take care of what's important to God, God will take care of what's important to you. That's how it works. If you will take on, amen, amen. If you will embrace this fact today and the truth that we need to love what God loves and care about what God cares about, that opens up a whole new world to us, an understanding about the compassion, the mercy, and the love of God. What are his priorities if we're going to pray his agenda first? His priorities are, as I said, number one, saving the lost. And if lost people matter to God, they should matter to us. They should matter to us. Something else to emphasize here that we need to understand today is we, that we need wisdom and guidance to pray for wisdom and guidance for those in authority, for those in our spiritual authority. I just want to ask you today, you don't have to raise your hand, but do you pray for your pastors here at Word of Life? I mean, do you really pray for them? And I'm talking about prayer here. God wants us in prayer not to live a lifestyle of 911 prayers. Like on the fly. Don't let that be your normal course of life or lifestyle that you pray on the fly or you pray 911 prayers. There's no relationship in 911 prayers. If God only ever hears from us when we're in trouble or when there's an emergency, I would say that the, our relationship with him is rather shallow. Would you agree? So God wants us to know that we need in this time to pray about the things that are his priority and pray about them first for wisdom and for discernment for those in spiritual authority, parental authority, those in governmental authority, those who are in work-related authority, maybe your boss at work. I can imagine someone here saying, oh Lord, I gotta pray for that guy. <laughs> yes, you do. Yes, you do, right? 
Pray for unity and for love. Pray for justice. Pray for freedom from those, for those who are in bondage. Pray that God will accomplish his purposes in our lives. Here's what a prayer may sound like in this portion of the Lord's Prayer. God, I recognize there is no better plan on earth than yours. And I pray, O oh God, that you will, your will will be done in the world and in my life. And begin to name different areas of your life that you can bring before him and ask him to have his will accomplished in your life. Lord, this world is filled with lost people. Lord, by your mighty power, bring revelation knowledge to them so that they may come to know you and experience you personally in a relationship with you. God, I pray that your heart for justice and your heart for unity would be seen in the world. How many of you know the world in which we live now is certainly out of order and we need some unity in our world? The only one who is the ultimate peacemaker is God and he's the one when he descends upon a situation, he will bring unity. He will bring unity. But let me take it another step here in this portion of the Lord's Prayer. We could also pray, oh God, show me what my role is in seeing the realities of heaven come to earth. Well, Kevin, I don't think I want to pray that way, but I'll pray for Pastor Tom that he will see what his role is. Can I tell you, we all have a role. We all have a role. Do you still love the missionary today? <laughs> Show me what my role is in seeing the realities of heaven come to earth. Lord, I want to make my priorities your priorities. I want you to help me to love who you love and honor who you honor. So first of all, connect with God relationally. Secondly, worship his name. Third, pray his agenda first. Number four, depend on him for everything. The portion of the Lord's Prayer highlighted here is in verse 11, Matthew 6. Give us this day our daily bread. Give us this day our daily bread. God promises us that he will supply all of our needs. Do you believe that? He promises that he will supply all of our needs. He wants us to bring our problems to him. And all of the burdens that we carry, he wants us to bring them and lay them at his feet. And in ultimate surrender to him, totally depend on him. Lord, I know that you will supply all of my needs. We know that's Philippians 4.19, don't we? <clears throat> I stumbled on an amazing quote. I do a lot of reading, a lot of research in prep time and, and just deepening my understanding of the things of the Word of God. And I stumbled on this quote actually last week from Tim Keller, Timothy Keller, an amazing author, a teacher and writer, recently passed away. He's with Jesus now. And here's a quote from Timothy Keller. He said, if you need something in addition to God to make you happy, that is your true king. Shall I quote that again? If you need something in addition to God to make you happy, that is your true king. 
But God wants us to come to a place of understanding that we would rely on him, we would depend on him, that we would know that he will supply every need that we have. Psalm 121, verses one and two. I look up to the mountains. Does my help come from there? My help comes from the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Another reason that often we don't see God moving in our lives in the area where we have needs is because often we don't pray. James 4.2 says this, you have not because you ask not. I want to submit a possible truth to you today here, an implication of this verse that we, I just shared, you have not because you ask not that the possibility is that prayerlessness in our lives can create lack in our lives. Prayerlessness in our lives can create lack in our lives. And very often people seem to naturally think along the pattern of lack. And that's not God's pattern of thinking, by the way. Lack. Some people believe, oh, that when you choose to be a Christian, that you have to kind of uh, sign your name and take the vow of poverty. Oh, well, I'm a Christian now. And I know that I don't have two pennies to rub together, but I have God. And some people wear their lack as a badge of spirituality which they want everyone to know how spiritual they are because they don't have anything else. That's not God's way of thinking, by the way. God does not think this way, right? But often, when people do think this way, lack can fill where prayerlessness exists. Mind you, in that book, chapter 4 of James, there are some other reasons and I think motives for why we don't receive when we pray is because we have wrong motives. We have selfish motives because what we're praying for, we want for ourselves so we can spend it on ourselves for our own pleasure. And there's a, there's a verse that comes to my mind from uh, Proverbs 11 and verse 25. Sandy and I have chosen to live this way all of our marriage. Proverbs eleven twenty five: The generous will prosper. Those who bless, those who refresh others, will themselves be refreshed. The generous will prosper. You don't have to be wealthy to be generous. You just have to be generous. And I just encourage you today, just just to try this out. After church today, go to someone, maybe a friend, maybe an acquaintance, and just walk up to them and say, my wife and I would like to take you out to lunch today. Would you be willing to join us? But let your motive be not so that you can be blessed and prosper. Let your motive be that you want to be a blessing. Do that today and see what happens. I think that's a good experiment. I think God will bless you as a result of obeying him in this way, right? Hallelujah. So when we come before the Lord and we are at this place of depending upon him for everything, tell God specifically what your needs are. Let him know. Does he already know? He does know. But he wants us, because of our relationship with him, he wants us to tell him. 
That's part of the relationship, is coming before him and expressing our need to him. We can, or we can hold on to our problems. How many of you just feel like you want to hold on to your problems? You don't want to do that. You want to cast your cares on him because he cares for you. A prayer in this portion of the Lord's Prayer might look like this. Father, I acknowledge that everything I need today will come from you. You made the heavens and the earth. You are more than capable of handling my specific needs and my specific cares. So, Lord, I just give them to you. I place my cares in your hand. I trust you, and I know that you will take care of me. Amen? That's what we can do in this portion of the Lord's Prayer. And then the next step, step number five, point number five, may present a great challenge to some of us. Forgive and be forgiven. Forgive and be forgiven, and they go hand in hand. We see this in Matthew 6 and verse 12. Forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. Aren't you thankful that God has offered us complete forgiveness? I, I feel sad because there are some people, and maybe, probably, even sitting here today, who have this picture of God, maybe from how you were raised in your family, maybe the religious uh, uh, affiliation you had, and, and you have this vision of God that everywhere you go that God is walking behind you with a big club and anytime you do something wrong it's going to be boom 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 that's a bad picture of God that's not the God that we serve the loving heavenly father that we serve and there are some also who think well when we all uh, one by one stand before God in heaven that Every single one of us have our own personal filing cabinet in heaven. And in that filing cabinet, listed in alphabetical order, are all the sins we committed over our lifetime. You might say, well, what does that look like? Well, basically, you've arrived at heaven, and God steps over to your filing cabinet, and he just pulls out the drawer Some of us think that God's like that. Oh, but I want to tell you something. Though your sins may be as scarlet, I have washed them as white as wool. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and he is just to forgive us of all. Did you hear that? All of our sins. Well, Kevin, what about what I did last night? All of our sins. He is faithful and just. It has to be that we understand that no sin is too great and no, 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 no offense that we, that we might be involved in is too big for God, that his blood can't cover and cleanse and remove that sin from us and give us a fresh start and purify our hearts and enable us to stand before the Lord with a pure heart. Can I hear an amen? In fact, when God, would it be, when he opens that filing cabinet, there'll be one document in there. 
and he'll pull out that one document and he'll see these words, paid in full, with Jesus' signature at the bottom, yeah. Paid in full. But that does not negate the fact that we need to daily walk with God and that we need to daily submit our hearts before him because there will come circumstances in our lives on this earth where we will be offended. You ever been offended? You ever been offended by someone in the church? I've known people, and I would say that some people that I've met over the years, I'm not mentioning any names, I think that offending others was one of their spiritual gifts. <laughs> and right now, maybe a name and a face is coming to you. That's not my intended purpose. <laughs> wow. But the reality is we have to work on this every day, don't we? Because we will be offended in life, and there's just the human side of relationships, we will be offended. But we should also understand that we need to be aware that there are times that we offend others, and sometimes we aren't even aware of it. So when we come to the Lord in prayer, in this time of the Lord's prayer, we need to ask the Lord, yes, forgive me. And when the Lord forgives us, he gives us, listen, he gives us the grace and the capacity and the ability because we've received his grace to be able to extend that grace to others who may also offend us. In fact, God gives us the ability to forgive them even before they offend us. So we need to embrace this truth today. A simple prayer might be during this time, oh God, thank you so much for offering me the gift of forgiveness. Show me, Lord, any areas in my life that I need to bring before you in order to receive forgiveness for. Cleanse me, purify me, forgive me, Lord, of all my sin. I pray that prayer every day. Forgive me, Lord, cleanse me of all my sin. And Lord, if I've offended others, show me so I can get it right and extend grace and mercy and ask for forgiveness if I've done so. Lord, accomplish your perfect will in my life. We're getting close here. Number six, point number six, engage in spiritual warfare. Matthew 6, verse 13, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Something that we need to really learn more about and understand more about is that spiritual warfare is an actual part of living the Christian life. Did you know that? I talked to a Christian some months ago. We were talking about this subject, the spiritual warfare, and he said to me, and it was rather shocking to me, he said, I don't talk to the devil, I talk to Jesus. Well, that's good, but here's the reality. If we're going to follow the biblical model that Jesus set for us, Jesus spoke to demons. And he's given us the same authority that we can speak to demonic forces and demonic powers because not because of who we are, but because of who dwells within us. The Holy Spirit dwells within us who's given us all power and authority over all the power of the enemy. Can I hear an Amen. That we have to understand and reckon that in our lives, that we have spiritual authority in our lives. 
Ephesians 6 and verse 12 says this. Maybe you've committed this to memory. Our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. In a moment, I'm going to have a, a two-minute video shown for you to watch. I, I want to kind of lead into this to help you understand. In the world, part of the world that we live, Buddhism is 99% of the country that we live in, Thailand. And we are still learning about the teachings of Buddhism and just understanding the spiritual darkness that exists in Buddhism. And, and we are confronted with this reality on a daily basis. All throughout Bangkok and Thailand, on most street corners where businesses are, there are shrines, there are spirit houses, there are temples. And it's not uncommon, I don't know how you would feel about this, Anywhere in the city, people are walking. They could just be talking and there could be a shrine right there. They'll just stop on the sidewalk in the middle of downtown Bangkok. They'll walk over to the shrine and they'll kneel and they'll pray to Buddha in public. That goes on every single day. We see that every single day. And I said to Sandy, I said, you would never see that in the United States. People just stop on the sidewalk and kneel down and pray. But there is some very deep spiritual darkness in Buddhism. Some of the different temples in Thailand, that there are thousands of them. Uh, the, the hell temple. The black temple. The white temple. All demonic. And, and this video we will show you this morning is, is from the tattoo temple. And my good friend, our good friend, Mark Doreen, who's been a missionary in Thailand for 35 years, he has done in-depth studies in Buddhism, and he is one of our mentors and teachers. He helps us understand more and more the concept of Buddhism. But there is actually demonic possession involved in Buddhism for those who want to go to that length. So I want to, there are going to be images in this video that could potentially be disturbing, but I want to help you understand that this is the reality of where we live and what we experience in our lives. So I'm going to ask the gentleman, please, to help show the video. Another temple nearby is a uh, tattoo temple where tattoos are applied by demon-possessed monks who are using... Uh, spirit-possessed ink they concocted themselves that includes bits of hair or body parts from dead ancestors and uh, and they believe that applying these tattoos are ways of keeping bad spirits out but what it actually happens is they're invoking the power of demonic spirits uh, into the the people that they're tattooing uh, during the annual Y crew uh, day, Thai people by the thousands who's received tattoos from these monks come to that temple. And as they sit there in this massive crowd, uh, you'll see one after another after another suddenly become demon possessed and they begin to shake and shout and some run around and, and hurt themselves and have to be restrained. They have guards on duty to, to help take these people out as they uh, demonstrate demonic influence in their in their life 
These temples uh, have very, very powerful spiritual presence in them. And going into these places uh, it can be uh, spiritually uh, dangerous or harmful if you're not ready and prepared for that. So that is why we need intercessors to stand behind our missionaries and behind the pastors and the Christians and, and those who are in these Buddhist places that are very, very spiritually dark. I believe that, and, and we, we all believe, that intercession from people is just as, an, as important to the work and the success of the ministry as the actual work. God is the one who accomplishes the work uh, through us, but we need people praying and interceding for us. On a regular basis, our missionaries are confronted with this reality that people need delivered and set free. And if we go into a situation like that, as Mark said, and we're not prepared to deal with that situation, that's a very dangerous place to be. Would you agree? And so we need, that's why when we travel around the United States, we want prayer partners. We desire more than anything else, prayer partners to intercede on our behalf, knowing that we are stepping into a dark world that requires us to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. And we dare not try to do what needs to be done in our own strength. We need the prayers of the saints and the churches behind us to stand with us to accomplish God's purposes. My dear friend, the devil is real. He is real. John 10, 10 says the thief comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus said, I've come that you might have life to the fullest measure. And remember, the devil is not omniscient. He's not omnipotent. He's not omnipresent. He can only be in one place at one time. But he commands millions and millions of demons all over creation. And, and he turns them loose to wreak habit and to destroy families. And what we see happening in our world today, and I speak this prophetically today, what we see happening in the United States of America, across our states, is, a, I believe, an unleashing of these, these uh, demonic powers to bring destruction, to bring division, to bring divisiveness, to bring schisms, and even within the church to try to dissolve and divide churches. And we need the power of the Holy Spirit to be able to walk through these times and live in victory because greater is he that's in me than he that is in the world. Hallelujah. <laughs> Hallelujah. I'm running out of time, aren't I, Pastor Tom? I want to be sensitive. I'm looking at the clock there. But uh, I can't continue this next week because I'm preaching a different message. Hallelujah. Let me, let me go to my point number seven. Number seven, express faith in God's ability. This is Matthew 6, verse 13. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. This is how we end our time walking through this model of the Lord's Prayer to be able to know that we've come to a place of realization. We can trust God. When we say to him in Matthew 6, 13, Lord God, yours is the kingdom. All hope is not lost. Yours is the power. Almightiness flows from you. Yours is the glory. Your victory will be complete. That's what we have to understand today. 
and understand that nothing is too hard for the Lord. Amen? In a time of closing today, I want to ask you all to stand with me. And I want to ask you to do something maybe from a different perspective than you've ever done before. As I ask the gentleman to project for us Matthew 6, verses 9 through 13. I want you to just walk with me in speaking and reading, but from your heart, these words that Jesus told his disciples how they ought to pray. Will you follow me on this? Let's do this corporately together. All right, here we go. Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. Let's bow our heads together in closing. And Pastor Tom, as you come, today as you've sat through this message and you've heard different truths shared from this amazing model prayer that Jesus gives us, Maybe there was a point at which the Holy Spirit was tugging at your heart. And right now the Holy Spirit is speaking to you and, and, and saying to you, you've heard the truth. I have spoken to you. And now it is time for you to respond. If you could be here today, maybe as a first time visitor, maybe as a recent attender, maybe as someone who has attended regularly, but you've never yet truly acknowledged your need for Jesus personally, coming into personal relationship with him, I'd like to give you that opportunity right now by all of us corporately praying this prayer. Would you join me in praying this prayer? Dear Jesus, I come to you right now. I want to come into relationship with you. I ask you, Jesus, forgive me of all my sin. Cleanse me of all unrighteousness. I confess you now, Jesus, to be my only Lord and Savior. I want you to be the Lord of my life. Thank you for hearing my prayer. Thank you for saving me from all my sin and for bringing me into your family. I love you, Jesus. I promise to serve you all of my days. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer today, maybe the first time, maybe you recommitted your life to the Lord, the next step is speak with leadership here at Word of Life. Tell them you prayed that prayer and you want to know what is the next step. Pastor Tom and the staff will help you to do that. Pastor Tom, thank you. As always, a rich, rich, rich blessing and a wonderful word to challenge us in our relationship with the Lord. And Kevin, when you said you're closing, you closed. We appreciate that. Dan Moeller, when he said he was closing, meant another half an hour. Ethan, my grandson, turned to me listening to Dan and said, when a man says he's going to close, he ought to close. 
I said, I guess I have to agree. <laughs> have you been blessed today? Amen. Great word, Pastor Kevin. Thank you so much. Wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. Again, we love you so much, church, and we speak God's favor and blessing out over you in Jesus. Wonderful, wonderful name. We're anticipating that message for next week. Thank you again. Let's give a shout of victory on three. Here we go. One, two. Oh, do we have worship Wednesday, right? Worship Wednesday. This coming Wednesday, worship and prayer for the sick. It's always a great time. Where are we at? Three. Three. Hallelujah. God bless you, church. Have a wonderful, wonderful day. In the Lord Jesus Christ, be blessed and be a blessing.